Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Things I love you, I honor you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, man, man. He's such a blessing. I tell you, first time, first time he came to our church, he gave his testimony. And I think, I don't know, it took us weeks to get over it. <laughs> what a tremendous, uh, just, a, just a manifestation of the mercy of God in his life and the proof of how prayer works. And, and uh, you know, if you've got children, my, my mom and dad, my parents went through that with their children uh, raised in a Christian home and getting away from God, don't ever give up on them. Don't ever give up. You keep praying. Mom and dad stood on the, the uh, uh, scripture in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go and the, the road they won't depart from it. And there was a time it didn't look too good, but they stayed with it. And, uh, you know, mom's in heaven now. Dad's still plowing along with us. But uh, I'm telling you, it works. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your children. The children are the next generation that will that'll preach the gospel. Amen. Stand on your feet for just a moment. Lift your hands up. Worship the Lord. Stretch just a little bit. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we thank. Thank you for Brother Danny. Lord, bless his ministry. Open doors. Lord, let it, let it expand like, like never before, Heavenly Father. We thank you for it. We believe it. And we rejoice in it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Be seated for just a moment. We'll Get into the Word here just for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Praise God. It says in verse 17, very familiar scripture, it says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, if you go make a study of that particular chapter, it's, it's what I... You know, Paul was a real comparison preacher. He was always comparing things. And in that scripture, in that chapter, he's comparing the covenant of Moses and the new covenant that we're in. And, you know, I like the, well, the particular verse, verse 6, the letter killeth with the spirit, uh, uh, the, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter killeth and the spirit giveth life. Everybody say the spirit giveth life. And so here, uh, kind of at the conclusion of this chapter, we know chapter and verse was put in there for reference sake by the translators, it says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, uh, I know the charismatic, word of faith, Pentecostal, whatever you want to label people, they talk about the liberty. You know, we have liberty, not like the denominations, not like different people who seem to be bound with legalism, rules, regulations. But when you study this scripture, it's really not talking about that type of liberty. It's actually talking about, the next scripture qualifies it, it actually talks about a liberty to change. Now, I found this out over the years, and I think it's been one of the greatest challenges of Lee and I's life in ministry, and that is change. Because, you know, we get into, uh, we believe God for a church, we believe God for an evangelistic ministry, a missions ministry, or whatever it is, and we, and we, and we move into it, we begin to work in it, uh, things begin to happen in it. But in every uh, ministry comes change. And, and I think that we, many times, are very resistant against that. Especially if you come to a, a place in which you're comfortable. I mean, when things are working, it's easy to change when you're doing something that doesn't work, it fails. It's easy to look for something else to do. But if you're doing something and it's working, and it's really working well, and it's really, uh, you know, doing great, and then, and then God says, okay, you're going you're gonna to turn a corner, you're gonna, there's going to be a change, there's going to be something that's going to happen, and then He begins to deal with your, your spirit and your character and, and everything about you, you know, uh, the change that is initially uh, uh, presented to you by God leads to a transition period. And those transition periods can be rough. Has anybody ever had a change in their life, their ministry? I know Lee and I were, uh, we, we married in 1986. I'd been in ministry since 84, graduated from Bible school. We went, were on field ministry, and, and God over the years blessed us. We purchased a building. We put a staff in that building. We had doors open all over the world. Uh, uh, we... we we just kept going up and up. God kept blessing because God blesses when you're in His will. Amen. 
We had uh, in, in 2000, 2001, right in that area, we had several very large churches open up to us of, uh, that would have really put us at another level of ministry. And the Lord said no. He said no. He began to deal with me actually a couple of years earlier about uh, shutting that ministry down and coming to Galveston and starting Island Church. And that was a very difficult thing for me. I had been in, in field ministry for years, and I had been with pastors for years, and I really was pretty resistant against that. I was like, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I could do it. And I, I found this out over the years. God will never ask you to do anything that you can do. Because if you can do it, then go do it. He'll always ask you to do something you can't do because then you need God to do it. And that's where faith comes in because you have to have faith in your heart to do what God tells you to do because what you do embraces the impossible. I'm, I knew I was called to preach at age 17. I didn't get right with God till I was 27, 10 years later. I resisted then. I resisted, I resisted when the Lord began to deal with us about starting Island Church. But then in studying in this scripture, ministering on it over the, over the years, some things uh, begin to happen in my heart and in my spirit that begin to cause me to realize the way God does things, how God does things. And I'm telling you, it's something I was talking to Pastor Sam about this morning. I believe many times what we do is we preconceive in our own minds how God is going to do something. And this is not on the subject, but we'll just take a little rabbit trail for a minute. You know, one of the worst, uh, well, how could we call it, uh, diseases, I, I call it a disease, that gets into the body of Christ is offense. And if people get offended in a church or somewhere, it can spread like a, like a flu or like a virus. And people ended up, end up offended and mad, and they don't even know why. And so I began to, years ago, I studied all of that and looked it up, and I found three areas of offense, and I'm not going to talk about all that, but I'm going to talk about just one area for a second. We'll come back to this. And that is, that is out, of, out, of, out of Matthew 11. You don't have to go there, but it's the story of John the Baptist when he was in prison. And, and, and he, he asked a question. He sent his disciples to Jesus, and he said, Are you he that should come, or should we ask for another? And, you know, Jesus, Jesus really didn't address that question he said, go tell John, and then basically quoted the scriptures out of Isaiah 61. But at the end of it, he said this. He said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. And, and I studied that out in several different translations and got some different things. And in reality, what he said was this. Pete, you are blessed when you do not get offended at the way I choose to do things. And so when I, I'm meditating on that and kind of reading be, between the scriptures, I begin to see that, you know, what, what happened to John? What happened to John the Baptist? Well, first of all, his identity was, was prophetic. It came from the, from the old covenant. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So as long as he was in the wilderness, he was okay. He was protected. He had provision. The crowds were coming from Jerusalem, Judea. All the region round about were being baptized of him in the Jordan, Matthew chapter 3. All of those wonderful things were happening. And then one day he baptized Jesus. And it wasn't about confessing sin. It was about fulfilling righteousness. Amen. And then Jesus entered into his ministry and began immediately to pick disciples and walked right around John. Now, could have John, could have John thought, why not me? If anybody's prepared to be a disciple, whatever it was, this is what he did. He left his place. He went to the wrong person. He preached the wrong message, and it cost him his life. And that was never the will of God. I believe it was the will of God for John the Baptist to be the, uh, the, the premier Old Testament prophet and enter right into a New Testament prophet's ministry. But he got offended at the way God choose, chose to do things in, in his life and in his ministry. Now, the next verse, let me read it before I get ahead of myself. It says, verse 17 again, Now the Lord is that Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is there are liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me read it in the Amplified. It says, And all of us with unveiled face, beholding, because we continually to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into His very own image, in ever-increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is that Spirit. Now, first of all, very basic. When you got born again, the, the, the testimony of, uh, of, of Brother Danny Johnson, one of the most outstanding in the body of Christ. But that Sunday night, when, when, when Danny Johnson, the, 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 whatever he was, got born again, he did not change. 
Now let me say that again. He did not change. He was made brand new. Well, we know that. We can qualify that with many scriptures. But most uh, preeminent, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Salvation, the new birth, is not a change. It's a newness of life. Buried with him by baptism. Planted in the likeness of death. Then we rise up in newness of life. But now from the standpoint of that newness of life, change becomes the relevant issue in our lives. Anybody that comes to the altar and gets born again and is made brand new and never has any change, they really they either didn't believe in their heart or something happened that, that, that did not connect in their spirit because they truly didn't get born again. Every person that gets born again and is made new in their spirit, change will begin immediately. There are places they'll quit going. There are places they'll start going. There are things they'll quit doing. There are things they'll start doing. But here's the thing. Once you're made brand new, change becomes a continual thing in your life. A continual thing. And in ministry, because I know we've got several pastors and evangelists and missionaries and people here, and it's also very relevant to, to, to just church folks, people that come to church. Many times when we get comfortable, and, and one of the problems is we get comfortable sometimes in misery. Amen. I, I mean, we get, you know, things, uh, 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 they might not be going as well as we like, not be, might not be, but we've gotten so used to living like that. And everything God does, He's trying to speak change into our lives. It's built into the system. You know, you're on the Gulf Coast. We don't, we don't have severe winters like some of these guys that live up north and, and different places like that. And you may be a real summer person. And here we are, October, November's coming, December. I looked at the, uh, uh, the long-range forecast. They're, they're uh, uh, saying that we're going to have a very severe, very cold winter this year. So say you're a... You're a, uh, a summer person. You like your Hawaiian shirt, your Bermuda shorts, your flip-flops. You know, we can't call them thongs anymore. And uh, <laughs> got to call them flip-flops now, you know. And so, you know, you, know, you, you saw on the, 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 the weather forecast of the local news broadcast that a, a big blue norther is coming. And it's going to drop the temperature from the 80s down into the 30s. And it's going to be cold. And it's going to be windy. And it's, it's going to sleet. And it's going to rain. And, and so you, you make your way up to the top of the causeway, you know, and, and you're going you're gonna to use your faith. And you see that big black cloud in the north, and it's coming. And so you're standing there with your Hawaiian shirt and your Bermuda shorts and your flip-flops. And you're saying, I bind you. In the name of Jesus. I take authority over this. and You will find out that that thing's going to blow right through. The weather's going to change. It's going to get cold because God has built it into the system. I said God has built it into the system. And when it comes to our lives and our ministries, the changes that God has scheduled for us, many times we enter into reluctantly. But once we begin to figure out what God is doing and how God is doing it brings something so amazing into our lives. When you see the provision of God, how it all plays out, it blows your mind. Now, back to the Scripture in, in verse uh, 18. But we all, with open, open face, beholding as a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord. We behold the glory of God in the Word of God. Every time you embrace the Word of God, you are beholding the glory of God. Now, Here in this building, the, the, everybody else, guys that have buildings and places uh, in our homes, we, we have them wired with a force, an unseen force called electricity. Did you know electricity has always been here? It's not, it was not invented. It was like, you know, I inv I, I, it, was, it was here when the Karankawa Indians used to live on this island. Uh, electricity was here. But they did not know how to gather it, assimilate it, nor transmit it. And if they would have known that, they still didn't have anything to hook it to. Now, God's power is the same way. It's, all, it's here. It's everywhere all the time. God's power is everywhere all the time. Now, in the building, back in the alley, there's a, there's a drop off of the distribution. That's called the, I used to be a lineman, so I, I know a little bit about uh, telephone poles and what's up there. It's, a, it's power telephone cable TV. The top... The top is distribution, which means it's distributing the power. Right under that is the individual drops that come to the businesses and the houses. Now, that comes to a, a particular place in our, in our uh, building. And from there, it hits the wiring of this building. 
And it goes to numerous different things. It goes to the lights. It goes to the sound system. It goes to the air conditioning and heating system. It goes to all these different things. And what it does is that power, which is unseen in the building, once it is transmitted and connected to a unique vessel, all of a sudden that vessel takes that power and turns it into something that changes the atmosphere. Let me say it like this. We are experiencing the glory of amplified sound. We are experiencing the glory of fluorescent lighting. We are experiencing the glory of air conditioning, uh, uh, central air conditioning and heating. And, but but without, without the power, there would not be the glory. Without the power, there would not be the glory. So all of a sudden, without the, without the particular unit or the vessel, the power could not be utilized. So change begins. Now, this is something you need to hear real quick. Pastor Sam, uh, 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 Brother Christopher, Lloyd yesterday, myself, Brother Danny, we have been speaking words of God. In those words are power. Remember what Paul said in Romans 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power. Now, every time the word of God is preached, God is doing everything he could do to take and distribute his word into people who will take and assimilate it and allow it to be hooked to their vessel. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Yeah, Brother Christopher showed the, the uh, pictures of the crusades he'd had in the last few months. The crowds, uh, thousands, the hundreds of thousands. Then he showed, he showed the miracles. He showed the miracles of the new birth, the thousands that got saved, I think we saw some, some blind eyes, some people that were blind that were healed, some lame that were healed, some deaf that were healed. So that is the glory of God in manifestation. But how did that happen? It happened by a, a vessel, a man that would dare to use his faith to even schedule a meeting, to even get on an airplane to fly to Africa, to, to, to even, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to have a crusade team that could put all that together. But then he gets up. And he starts preaching, and the words that he's preaching is the power source. It's, it's, all in the, it's all in the air. It's all in the atmosphere. Amen? And then all of a sudden, as he's preaching this word, a, a unique phenomena begin to happen. As people begin to listen to the word preached. Now, do, you, do you hear what I'm saying? To the word preached, some that were listening begin to hear. How much teaching have we heard? Well, let me say it another way. How much teaching have we listened to that we have not heard? How much teaching have we listened to that we have not heard? Now, back to Brother Chris. He's up preaching. He looks so cool with that bandana around his head. <laughs> it looks so cool. I always love that. He sends me the emails and stuff when he's in crusade. I just, I love it. And, and so... He's preaching, and someone hears. So maybe it's, a, maybe it's a lost person. They hear. They respond. And the greatest miracle, the new birth, takes power to go from, to go from death to life, to, from darkness to life. Maybe it's a healing. Blind eyes are open. The glory of God is in manifestation. And what has happened to the people? There's been the, the, the person that was blind can now see. Something's changed. A change has taken place. Uh, a person that could not walk and showed that little little girl, that little girl that couldn't walk, and here she is running across the platform. So she's changed. She's no longer a, cri a cripple. She's changed. Now, on that level, everybody's, oh, praise God, we rejoice. But God wants to bring that down to the level of your personal life, your business, your ministry, or wherever it is, because He wants us to be subject to Him so that we can be available to be in a constant mode of change in our life. Nobody amens that because people are, I don't know, I want to change. Yeah. But we all with open face, beholding as a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now notice that again. We all with open face. There is an opportunity in us, in all of us. That's why the Bible is such a threat. Do you realize what a threat? The, Lee and I got arrested on the border of Hong Kong and China. What was that, eight, 1989? With 400 Bibles in two backpacks. And then she had her 
purse all. Uh, and they brought us into an interrogation room and unloaded those Bibles. And then they brought us the documentation of what the law said in communist China about Bibles. They, it, it was called subversive material. They are afraid of the Bible. You say, why? Because the Bible is the power source that makes men and women new. And when men, men and women become new, they demand change. That's exactly how the Iron Curtain fall fell. Thank God for our president, for our government. But I'm telling you, a bunch of praying Holy Ghost people in those Eastern Bloc nations and in Russia, before all of that happened, revival broke out all across there and people begin to pray. They begin to take authority over demon powers. They begin to hook to that power source. And what happened? A change took place and communism fell. That's exactly how it happened. And you can talk about all the geopolitical, oh, that's fine, that's well, but in reality, that's exactly how it happened. Amen? So we must look into the Word of God. Now it says, <laughs> as we look into it, uh, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. So the image that is in the Word is that which God wants to produce. So the other translation calls it a mirror. Now when you look into a mirror, um, mirrors are brutally honest. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? They don't really tell you what you want. They tell you what is. Now I live with a with a with a fine young woman, and her testimony for years has been, "I will not grow old gracefully." I will fight it with everything I have. And she gets up in the morning and she goes and sits. She's got a desk. She's got a chair. She's got stuff everywhere. And she goes and she looks into the mirror. Amen. And all the mirror does is reflect. And she affects a change. Come on. And the problem is, the Word of God tells us or reflects to us how God sees us. God doesn't see us broke. God doesn't see us sick. God doesn't see us struggling. God doesn't see us oppressed. God doesn't see us joyless. God sees us through the blood of His Son, the redemptive work of redemption. He's documented it for us so that when we look into it, we see the reflection of who we are. Amen. But what God wants us to do is to hook to that. When I, when I first came back to the Lord years ago, I was given a, a um, series of teachings, tape, uh, they were cassette tapes back then, on, on redemption, on who you are in Christ. And I had a lot of needs in my life, financial needs, other types of needs. But after about listening to those things two times through, I recognized I really don't need to worry about money right now. I really don't need to worry about having a place to preach right now. I really, didn't, I really don't need to think about, you know, how I'm going to do this. I really need this to become this. And I just began with 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I mean, to this day, I still confess. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Thank you, Father. He that knew no sin was made sin on my behalf. Because of that, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so I also walk in newness of life. I was crucified with Him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God uh, who loved and gave Himself. And I just, I got several of those redemptions. And every day, I would say them over and over and over. And other scriptures over and over, connecting to that power source, making that drop from the distribution to the vessel. Wired for change. Everybody say, wired for change. Beholding as in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. I begin to see the image of what I beheld in the Word become me. Which I, I, I was no longer an X. 
I've heard people get, I was around full gospel businessmen for years, and people get to talk about, I'm a recovering alcoholic, I'm an ex-drug addict, I'm this. It removed all of the past from my mentality and its ability to control me or my circumstance. Brother, that's a change. I said, when you're conditioned by sin for several years, I'm telling you, when you get free from that, that is a major change in your life. And not only did I have to change out of something, I had to change into something. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, but he's translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Most people's problem is they're, they're like the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. They only got one crossing in them. They can tell you everything about what they come out of. Brother Danny, he came to our church the first time and gave his testimony. But he's been here many times since then. And brother, he's a preaching machine. It's a great testimony about what Brother Danny came out of, but what God, him brought, what God brought him into is so much bigger. It is now his testimony. His testimony is not of what he was. It's now of what he is. Amen? And so in circumstances of life, in ministry, in all these areas, God begins by giving you a word, a word of change. A word of change. Now, beholding in the glass the glory of the Lord, into the, we are changed into the same image from glory. Now notice this. From glory to glory. Everybody say from glory to glory. Now take out the word glory and let's take those other two words. From to. Now these two words right here. From to. Everybody say from to. Now that's. I don't want to get off on that but it'll, it'll help a little bit. Pastor Sam teaching on faith last night. Different things that were said yesterday, day before. God does not want to bless you financially, heal your body, do great things in your life for you to take what He gives you and go back into another lifestyle of not serving Him. I think that's been one of the real problems of people is that they come and they have preset in their mind the way it was before they were sick, the way it was before they had the financial problem, the way it was. So their image of God's answer is to return them back to from. Did you get that? You say, what do you mean by that? Okay, here you are. You're healthy. You're healthy. Everything's good. And then you begin to go this way, and you go to the doctor, and you get a bad report. Now, from becomes the past of where you were healthy and okay. Now you're here. And so in your mind you're thinking, I need a miracle. I need healing. I need this so I can go back to here. But God will never take you back there because that's why you're there. So he heals us. He delivers us from drugs. He delivers us from alcoholism so that we can go to something. Not stay in the from of yesterday. Not stay in the from of the past. Not live in that. And a lot of people lose what God gives them because they're never willing to change. They're never willing to change. They're never willing to go back into or go into that what God, which God has for them. Now, notice, from, everybody say from, to. If I were, were lost, now I'm not talking about spiritually lost, driving around and got lost. I'm driving around in the area and looking for something, and I'm lost. So I, so I pull over, and I walk into a convenience store, filling station. I walk in there, and, and, I, and I have this question. I go in there, and I say, where am I from? They would look and say, I don't know where you're from. Amen? That, that would really be a, an irrelevant question. The second question is, I could ask is, the first one would be, where am I from? The second would be, where am I going? They wouldn't have an answer for either one. The, the true question that needs to be asked, now this is important. The true question that needs to be asked is, where am I at? And a lot of people live in the fantasy of where they're from or where they want to go to We're never realizing where they're at. And I deal with people all the time and I talk to preachers all the time and I tell you there's people that are mad, they're upset, they're offended, they're this, they're that. And they, they kind of live in a little fantasy denial of, you know, you know and it's, it's really kind of, uh, uh, it's really kind of, it's really kind of false. It's not real. But the day that you wake up and you say, you know, oh, I'll tell you what, I got an issue. I mean, I, I'm, 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 
I, I've got an issue in my ministry. I, I need to, I need to, there needs to be some change in my ministry. There needs to be some change in my finance. There needs to be some change in my, the, the day you wake up and locate yourself, self-location is very healthy. You locate yourself instead of looking to the from or the to, then God has opened you up or put you in a position where he can impart his word to you and begin this process. Now, notice what it says. It says, we are changed from, not trial and tribulation, but from glory to glory. Or from one dimension of God's power being hooked to our life and manifesting through us to the next dimension of God being hooked to our life and manifesting through us to the next dimension of God being hooked to our life and manifesting through us to the next if you really think about it your whole spiritual life is exactly that if it's not you've not progressed anywhere or any way at all so the word everybody say the word my time's almost up so I'll finish like this so when the word comes it must be embraced when God speaks to you. When God, when you hear something, say, God is the greatest illustration I have of this. I, I, I've never been able to get away from this illustration. It happened to me, so that's just the way it is. I was asked to go uh, conduct a Sunday through Friday meeting, and I'm telling you, an old traditional Pentecostal church in a, in the in the very rural farming area of southern Idaho, what they call the Miracle Valley. Remember the old uh, 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 from the Valley of it, oh, 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 Green Giant. That's that's the valley. Miracle Valley, Idaho is what they call it. Magic Valley, Idaho is what they call it. So we grow all the potatoes, the green beans, all that kind of stuff. This is this is a town in which a man of God in the 40s during World War II drove through there. There's one blinking light. He says to the Lord, "This would be the last place on earth I'd ever build a church." And guess what? That's where he built a church. Now his sister, he had passed away, and his sister was was uh, was. Pat uh, pastoring the church and she had heard me at a camp meeting invited me to come so I went you know Idaho that's a cool place to go so I'm up there and, and most times in ministry back then we would always have things specific for different churches I would pray and I would prayed and fasted and I didn't have anything and I just developed a course on redemption that would fit into the format into the Sunday through Friday for so I just thought well if, unless Lord unless you speak to me I'm just going to start with creation and Go to the fall, and we're going to look at Abraham, and we're going to look at the types and shadows of the old covenant. We're going to look at the flood. We're going to, you know, go through the prophets. We're going to look at David. We're going to look at all that, and then we're going to go into the incarnation, and we're going to look at the ministry of Christ. We're going to, you know, just going to, and we just did. And man, we we had a time. We were had a full house every night. People were getting saved. Spirit of God was we were having a great time. Friday night, Friday night, I was at the end. Teaching Hebrews chapter 9, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And I was, you know, I was just, just go, preaching, going along, teaching the Word of God, preaching, going along, teaching the Word of God. And a lady had been there every service, from Sunday through Friday. She'd been there every service. She sat on the second row, about, about three or four seats down, dressed very nice. You know, I had her notebook, had her, you can always tell when people are fishing. When I go fishing, I got a nice boat. I know some good places to catch fish. But I have one thing I take with me that ensures we're going to have some fish to eat. You can take bait, sure. Take all the bait you want. Lure, sure. But if you don't have a rod and reel, you're not going to catch nothing. And when you come to church with a Bible and a notebook, or you use your iPad, and you're taking notes, and you're writing things in your Bible, and you're doing that, you're fishing. That's why a lot of people never catch anything in a service. They say, are you criticizing me? Yeah. Because <laughs> I sat in a church up in Houston, a little, little church called Lakewood Church, in which our pastor, every service, where's your notebook? Where's your Bible? Where's your pen? You need to be taking notes. And, and this is what Pastor Osa used to say to us. You never know when the crisis of life is going to show up in your life. And I'm here every service to prepare you for that. Yes. So. I'm teaching. I'm going through that. I'm painting the picture of Jesus coming up out of the grave. He's coming into heaven. He's carrying that blood. He's coming to the mercy seat. He's going to pour the blood on the mercy seat. Our God is going to, he's going to obtain eternal redemption for us. And this woman stands up, just stands straight up. Everybody, everybody's eyes went from, from me to her. 
and she throws, she closes her Bible, makes a loud popping sound, and her notebook, and then throws them both on the floor. Boom! Makes a loud noise. And, and I'm like, you know, it just jerked me right out of my world. I'm like, and then she points her finger at me and says as loud as she could say it. She said, young man, she said, I was raised in this church. I've been in this church all my life. I thought I'd heard everything there was to hear. I thought I knew everything in that book. But what you taught this week is so glorious. If you think I'm going to sit in this chair another second, you're wrong. And she went like this. Ah! <laughs> and she took off running. High heels on a wooden floor. Sound like a machine gun. Amen. And, and she ran around that church. And when she came around that corner, the glory of God fell on that church. And people started shouting. And people started dancing. And people started glorifying God. And people started just, I mean, it just, it just was bedlam in there. I mean, the anointing of God just was, you could cut it with a knife. Later in prayer, I asked God, I said, Lord, I don't understand that. What happened? Because I'm kind of a question answer to God. I'm a, I like to, you know, as much as he'll tell me, I want to know, especially about the anointing, things of the Spirit. And the Lord spoke to me and said this. That woman had sat there all week, and she started hearing things she had never heard before. Not listening to things, but hearing things she had never heard before. Now listen to me. She said she got to the point where she could not, now listen to me, she could not hear anything else without giving glory to it. There had to be an expression. There had to be a shout or a run or a dance or a, or a, or a, now, now I, I followed that lady. She was in her, she was in her late 50s or she went and started a church. Now, now, I don't know if you know much about that area of southern Idaho, but it's mainly Mormon. I mean, it's, it's, it's so staunch Mormon that when that, that, that prophet of God started that church, they had to go to court because the businesses that all the men worked in were Mormon businesses which automatically took the tithe out of their check. And they had to go to court and have a judge rule so that their employers would leave that tithe in their check and they could give it to the church that they were going to. That's how staunch it was. So she went up 60, 70 miles and started, uh, uh, she was a businesswoman and a change took place in her. And she started a church that's still running today. She's going to be with the Lord, but that, that, that is still going today. A change took place in her. She, she gloried in that revelation that was coming to her and in so doing. Now listen, I've seen this work in our lives, in lives of other people. I remember Leah was, Leah had, when I, we got married, she had her own business and, and, uh, she wanted out of it so she could come to work in, in, in Rusty Martin Ministries. This was about 1995. And so every time she could, she'd travel with me and go to meetings. And any hint of the Spirit of God moving, Leah'd take off, run around the church. And so in prayer one day, I asked the Lord, what's she doing? And the Lord told me, she's glorying herself right out of the business into the ministry. Because change is coming to her. Remember, right in the midst of that is when Terry Whitley gave you that prophecy. Terry Whitley gave her a prophecy, a good friend of ours, gone on to be with the Lord, uh, gave her a prophecy of exactly what she's doing right now. Because that, that it draws the prophetic. It draws the anointing. It draws the gift of the Spirit. Anytime you embrace the Word of God and begin to give expression to it, act upon it, do that which God demands of you, then you're, there's fixed to be a supernatural Holy Ghost change in your life and ministry. And when that begins to happen, you're on, I like to call it the, journey, the glory journey. Faith to faith, glory to glory. Amen. And we go back to the earlier scripture where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. And there seems to be, now, now listen to me, and I'll close. There seems to be a stagnation right now. 
in the body of Christ, where things are kind of stagnant, where there hasn't been a lot of change, but there's been a lot of word going forth. Word going forth. Word going forth. Word going forth. That's why we have these conferences. That's why we have. That's why we go over to Shreveport in the summertime and, and go to Tulsa in the summertime and go to different places. And, and the word's going forth. And the word's going forth. And the word's going forth. And the word. And God is raining seeds of change into the body of Christ. He's raining seeds into the body. Woo, if we had Paul here to get up and take this thing over, he'd blow you away. Because he came and preached that on seed. You know, when, when God wants to change you, he gives you a seed. But when God wants to change an area or a nation, then he makes you a seed and plants you in that area. I don't want to re-preach his message, but i tell you to tie right to this. So, for some of you in here, I'm just not the kind of person that you just go day after day after day after day with the status quo. It's just not kingdom business. Amen? I mean, we changed a bunch of stuff in this church uh, uh, just a few months back just, cause, just, just because I felt an unction in my spirit and just was tired of the status quo. So we begin to make changes. In our field ministry, when God began to deal with us, now this is the key. Hmm. I keep trying to close, but I can't do it. I was so resistant. We had so much vision. But not all vision is of the Spirit. Ego and ambition have to be regulated and haltered and brought into subjection to true godly vision. We had so much vision that went out for years of, of planes and meetings and crusades and this and that. And here's the key. Here's the key. The grace of God began to lift off of us. And in the midst of the most success we'd ever had in our lives, a sense of dissatisfaction began to settle. And that's the only reason I went this direction this morning is because the Spirit of God spoke to me and said some of you are dealing with that sense of dissatisfaction in your hearts and your spirits right now. And it's not a bad thing. It's just God trying to bring a change into your life or into your ministry that's going to take you to another level. And sure, it's, it's man, it's an intimidating thing. I remember the first day we said no to a meeting. Man, it was like gravel in my mouth. I mean, it, it was, <laughs> uh, there's no way to describe it. But thank God that when grace begins to lift in one area, it will begin to come into another. And that's why you have to change because that change brings you under that grace what is what, that is now coming into that new area of your life and ministry. Some of you need a grace to launch into something. Some of you need a grace like we do to build and to do, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't write anything in stone. We want to follow the Holy Ghost, whatever the Spirit of God says to do. We've seen some wonderful success, but look, whatever, wherever grace goes, we're going to follow that. Wherever glory goes, we're going to follow that. We're going to, we're going to go that direction. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. That's one of the things about it. You don't know what that means all the time. All you know is that we're moving into a change. Something different's happening. Now, let me say this. If you travel down a road fast and a turn is coming up you have to slow down to make the turn if you run as quick as you can down the straightaway into the turn you're going to wreck you're going to have a wreck amen and for some of you God has slowed you down some and you're thinking why don't I have the uh, I used to have? It's because a turn is coming. And you can be on a small country road, but God's wanting to turn you onto an eight-lane highway. But if you try to fuel yourself and keep your foot on the accelerator going forward and not make the turn, then you're going to have to spend time 
dealing with restoration. And there's nothing wrong with restoration. We minister it to people all the time. But I think the time's too short. God's too good. Hell's too hot. Look at, look at the change. Think about this just for a moment. Think of the change that has gone on in the world in just the last five years. Think of the change that has gone on, gone on in this nation just since January. Come on, church. That shows you how built it in is into the system. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> he always, he, he preaches to me while I'm preaching to you. And I kept looking for a closer, and so this is it. How many believe in the rapture of the church? I mean, you really say, you know, boom. We're going to bleak our eyes. We're going to be in heaven. Everybody going to go up? Really? Really? Now, what is the rapture? We are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But you've been fighting every change God has ever tried to bring into your life for the past 10 years. Come on. You've been fighting every change. Every, God, God said, you know, I want you to expand in this area, and I want you to uh, support these missionaries in your church, and, and this uh, evangelist. I want you to do this crusade in this country, and I, and I want you to do this and do that. And you're like, no, 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 and you're just resisting. How can we do that? I mean, God, every time God would tell us to do a major campaign or crusade in, in, in field ministry, we never had the money to do it. We never had it. But we did it anyway. Amen. And God always supplied, and there was always blessing. So you're fighting every chance. How does the heavenly Father, the sovereign God in heaven, how does He end this whole dispensation change? In a moment, you'll be hanging on to something saying, No, no, no. <laughs> Amen. And God says, No, it's time for change. It's time for change. So yield to. I know in my spirit some of you God has been dealing with you and dealing with you and dealing with you and dealing with you and dealing with you. And you're thinking, I can't do that. I won't do that. I don't want to do that. Listen, yield to the change. God wants to hook His power to you. He wants you to be that vessel of righteousness so His glory can manifest through you. And God wants to change things around you so you can be more effective in the kingdom of God. More souls get saved, more people get healed, more people get discipled, and God gets done what He wants to do in the earth, but we have to be willing to change. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship You. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord God. Thank You, Heavenly Father, for that, for that which You're doing. Thank You for what You've done. Thank You for what, but that what You're doing in our midst right now. That the glory of God, the power of God is working to produce the glory of God in us and through us. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We worship you, Lord God. Let that liberty of your spirit, let that liberty of God so infuse and saturate us that we're not resistant against anything you desire to do. We thank you for it, Father. You stand on your feet. Praise the Lord. Think about this just for a moment as you leave you something to meditate on. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, gave them that commission to go to the upper room, wait for the promise of the Father, you know, they went and had a board meeting. But then they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The church began, and things changed. That old covenant folded away and done away with, and God raised up different ones, and then the apostle Paul came on the scene. And then what's amazing, now think about this for a moment. The Judaizers, everybody know what I mean by that? The, the, the guys that went in and were, yeah, you can get saved, but you, you need to adhere to the law of Moses. What did the, they, they, they shut down the move of God because of their resistance to change. Amen? In Bible school, when, when Brother Osteen teaching us on different denominations, he said this, he said, every denomination started as a move of God. You name the denomination. Doesn't matter. He said, you got to see it as a volcano. It's, it's, it's exploding. It's, it's vibrant. Fire is coming out. It's, everybody's got their eyes on it. God is moving. God is working. 
But then what happens is men get resistant to change, and they step in, and they begin to control it. They begin to they, they put begin to get their laws, their rules, their regulations, their traditions. Amen. And Brother Osteen says, you got to see it like this. He says, what is a volcano without the fire in it? It's dead, cold rock. And he says, that's exactly the plan of the adversary for every move of God. He said, that's why we have so many denominations around is because they are monuments to what God did one day. But while they get up and celebrate what God did 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago, they deny what he's doing today. They refuse to change. So they sing 100-year-old songs. They preach 100-year-old message and wonder why their churches have no life and no spirit in them. And then God goes right around everybody and finds the Danny Johnsons and the Rusty Martins and the, and, and the Randy Ayers and, and people that who the world would say, you know, they're the foolish things of the world. And he raises them up and says, now let's do it again. And if we don't get it right, then he'll go right around us and he'll find someone else that would be willing to change and flow and go with what God's doing. And as for me, I, the first prayer I prayed when I got right with God is, God, I don't want to miss it. Whatever you do, whatever, wherever you do it, whatever you do, I want to be right in the middle of it. Amen. You love the Lord tonight. Don't forget tonight, 730, Pastor Mark Brzee will be here. Amen. I think Brother Christopher and Pastor Sam are going to leave this afternoon. Give both of them a big hand clap. Let's appreciate them for their wonderful ministry. Amen. For Brother Danny, give Brother Danny a hand clap. Brother Lloyd yesterday. Father, we thank you. We bless your name for all that you're doing among us. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your blessing upon us. Thank you, Father, for safety and protection. We'll return tonight to experience your goodness in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.